What's on draft guys? We are back, but we are not alone. Uh, for the first time, we are proud to say that we are brought to you by Odds Checker, as seen on CNN, ESPN, CNBC, and in the New York Times. And we're proud to introduce an ambassador. Um, he's been a close friend of mine. Checker has been around for 20 plus years of experience working in legal markets, uh, mainly on the Europe still. Uh, launched in 2001. We have a lot of great partnerships. Strongly known with DraftKings, Bet365, plenty more. Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I was reading a lot into it when I was checking out the website. And uh, there was even a ton of stuff that I didn't know. And uh, I think an, an easy question I had was like, what does OddsTecker really provide? Yeah, that's something that, you know, a lot of people are confused of actually, you know, what is the purpose of our platform? Right. And, you know, the main, main, the main reason why we actually started is, you know, people actually don't compare the odds, sportsbook to sportsbook. Uh, you know, you really lose out of a bunch of money. Some books will have 60 to one. Some books will have 50 to one. And right. we try to give you guys all the information and show you the true value of, you know, what sport, sports, sports betting is. Um, you know, we're always trying to improve it in any way we can doesn't matter whether you've never placed a wager before in your life or if you got years of experience behind you, uh, nor does it matter whether your primary goal is, you know, simply having fun or making a long term right. profits. Uh, you know, our goal at the end of the day is just to help our players have the best experience when it comes to sport, sports betting. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny that you say how, um, you know, they show you better lines because I think it was one of our first episodes when we started up, we were, we were giving out some draft props that we liked. And I was giving out Andrew Thomas as the first offensive tackle. Right. And I was giving great, it great out play, at, by the way. Great play. Plus 700 uh, where I saw it on points bet. And that was the best local line I had, you know, out of DraftKings, FanDuel, points bet. And, and Foodie, who lives over in uh, California, he had a he had like a little offshore bookie. He was getting it at plus 1600. Good so, for him. Yeah, so I think a, a website like OddsTracker is so huge for things like that because it's it's gonna it's gonna and we always joke about this, it's gonna find you the best price and I think that's huge comes to gambling that's how you make money. Yeah, absolutely. It's it basically gives you the best advantage against the books and at the end of the day you want to beat the books. So when you have the best best odds in your favor, uh, you know, go for it. All right. Well, if we're gonna beat the books, we'd be remiss if we didn't have you giving us a futures prop bet, G. So what are you looking at? I don't know if it's NFL, MLB. What do you like in the future? Yeah, man, well, I think I think what looks most promising right now with the guidelines of you know NFL schedule just recently coming out. Uh, you know, I'm a diehard Philly fan. Let's let's get it straight here. You know, I love my birds. Well, that's uh, the only reason you're on the podcast. Sure, sure, sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, them securing the division you know, for the Eagles is very possible, but we got to stay healthy. But right. you know, my money's really on the Denver Broncos this year. Uh, it's three, honestly, it's main, three reasons. It's simple as that. I mean, Drew Locke is one. Uh, listen, I know Locke didn't really have the greatest stats in his short rookie debut, but his passing efficiency was something you can't overlook. Uh, right. I was reading an article. Uh, his average adjusted net yards per pass attempt, which factors in touchdowns, interceptions, and sacks, he was 10th best mark for a rookie with five plus starts in the past wow. decade. Uh, you know, you know who the young person is actually in front of him? Uh, Jalen Hurts. No, it's actually 2015. Soon. I'm sorry. This, this upcoming year will be Jalen. <laughs> it's 2015 NFL MVP Cam Newton. So, wow. I'm. I mean, he's he's a solid guy. He's been working with Peyton Manning in the off season. Uh, it's it's really my first reason. Dave, you got any thoughts on Drew? Well, no, it's not. And I like Drew Locke as a player. I actually have some shares of him in uh, one of my dynasty leagues as well. And I mean, I don't know if there was any quarterback who smiled more on draft day than Drew Locke with the weapons they brought in. Um, Jerry Judy, uh, my baby KJ Hamler, that one hurts. Um, yeah, his, yeah. his college tight end, Albert O. Um, I know Drew Locke is, was already 
having success with what they had and and his uh, his weapons upgraded a ton. I don't know if if any team upgraded their weapons as much as Drew Locke's uh, team. No. Did. Yeah, I was gonna say is uh, he's definitely got that new look. Uh, his sporting cast was definitely underwhelming. Uh, I, I would say what was it over his five starts? Only I read the stat. Only over five starts. Only one Broncos player that caught a pass was a first-round pick, and that was his tight end, Noah Font. And yeah. uh, eight of his ten receivers locked through two were third-round picks or later. So this offseason, the Broncos really brought in two first-round picks. If you think about it, when I say first-round draft picks, we got Melvin Gordon uh, yep. who's coming in, who's a solid running back, and Jerry Judy. Uh, you could obviously throw in Hamler in the mix as well as a first-rounder. We, we, we both had uh, – I know you really had strong opinion about KJ this year. For sure, draft. yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think Denver did a great job and they really showed like, look, this is our guy. We're going to build around him and we're going to give him every resource we can to make it successful. Yeah. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Denver's defense is still one of the top 15 defensive defenses in the league. Uh, they were ranked 13th last year in the Football Outsiders DVOA rankings. Uh, it's actually DV, I'm, you know, somewhat analytics. The DVOA is the defense adjusted value over average basically calculates the team success. Uh, based on the down to distance over each play during the season. So it's 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 tough to explain, but basically you need two of these goals, uh, which bounces out to determine a player's value or a team's performance. So it's it's a cool uh, statistic to look at from a def- defensive perspective when a guy, you look at a team for, for Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and I mean, you have a defensive-minded coach in Vic Fangio that came from Chicago. Um, right. For a lot of that stretch late in the season, they didn't even have one of their best players behind Von Miller, and that's Bradley Chubb. He was out with a torn ACL, so they're going to have him coming back. Um, right. I, I, I agree. I think that the defense as a unit is going to be extremely strong. It may even be better than the offense, and we're, we're projecting the offense to, to be uh, really dynamic as well. Absolutely. No, you could have said any better, but that is, uh, that's definitely the future you got to look out for. Denver Broncos coming up. I think they're, you could still get them at, I think it's 50 to 1. 50 to 1. 50 to All right. 1. All right, Mike. Um, I appreciate that. I'm sure all the listeners do too. I'm going to go online right now and see if I can get some shares of that. Um, get some money down. We appreciate you coming on and we appreciate, uh, everything that's going to happen in the future. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter. Odds checker, Mike, you also have an Instagram as well. Yes, I do. I do. Uh, it's, it will, we'll, we'll, it's under construction right now. We'll, we'll keep you updated when that comes out, but yeah, please be sure to follow on Twitter. I have a lot of promotions uh, for casino offers and sports books. More than welcome for New Jersey and Pennsylvania players. Uh, I'm excited to uh, get things going. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, you got it, guys. And like I said, I'm going to post um, a little one-pager from OddsChecker that kind of just sums up what G said earlier uh, about the things they do and the things they offer and they provide. And um, we'll have the link for the website, too. So definitely check it out. Mike, we appreciate it. And, guys, thanks for listening. What's well, on Draft, everybody? Brought to you by OddsChecker. We are back. Wow. It's Dave, it's Fode, it's Troy. It's 11.30, now, on a Wednesday morning, the 13th of May. The quarantine goes on, the WAD pod goes on. Troy, how's everything going? Going well, man. Everything's good. Fode? Same, man. Working, grinding, um, being a dynasty draft model, so it's, it's, been, it's been a nice little, uh, little couple weeks here. Yeah, I hear you guys. Um, same thing here, nothing new. Um, the draft is now two weeks out. Um, the NFL just released the schedule for the upcoming season last week. The NFL is just going, just going on. Uh, they're just rolling. They don't, they don't care about the quarantine. They don't care about uh, the pandemic. They're just, there's business as usual. Um, they literally but, told teams just don't talk about the pandemic. <laughs> right. Just don't pretend it doesn't exist. They're, they're giving us something to talk about for sure. Um, 
And uh, we, we had a first round reaction podcast we put out uh, right after the first round was finished. And uh, this episode, we're kind of going to look into rounds two through seven. Um, we're going to go through pretty much in depth the Eagles entire draft, uh, the Cowboys draft. And uh, we're going to talk about the biggest draft surprises. Um, <clears throat> we, we start off with a couple surprising moves in the second round. Um, it started off pretty quick with the Giants grabbing a guy like Xavier McKinney. Uh, who I thought for the most part was a first-round pick. I know Food did as well. Troy was a little on the fence about it. He ended up being right there. Uh, you may hear me say that Troy was right a couple times this episode. I know that's tough for a lot of listeners, so we just have to get through this. But um, we can we can start really with the Cowboys because their pick was before the Eagles, obviously, and they took uh, Trayvon Diggs with 51. Um my favorite thing about the Cowboys getting Diggs at 51 is the whole – the Cowboys were considering him at 17, and they got him at 51. Um, I don't know if I'm missing something, but that's, like, a pretty bad value Italian, in my opinion. Like, the league passed on him <laughs> almost twice, and you're tooting your own horn because you wanted him at 17 and you got him at 51. I don't, I don't know. I never really liked Diggs that much. You heard us say it on a podcast a lot. Um, you saw it in my rankings. He was my seventh-ranked corner. Um, I know Troy – was a little iffy about Diggs. He started to really dig in a, dig in a little more. Dig in. Producer, and he started like a little more. What did, what did you like about Diggs and what did you like about the pick? Because I know you were pretty happy with the pick. Yeah, I was real happy with the pick. Like you said, he was in consideration at 17. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. I guess it's probably more of a bad thing than a good thing. But um, I wouldn't have been happy. I wouldn't have been happy at 17 for sure. Um, he definitely has a little bit of issues in his game. I think his hips are a little tight. Yeah. Um, he's not the most fluent you know, in transition, but I think he's got a lot of tools to work with. He has size, he has speed, athleticism, um, good ball skills, played a lot of man-to-man coverage in college, um, obviously played SEC best, uh, you know, against best competition. And I think he's got a lot to work with there. I think at 51, it was really good value. Um, I wanted a cornerback really bad. Uh, It was the biggest position in need. I didn't think there was anyone in the first round that excited me outside of Hen- like once Henderson went, I was kind of over that. Um, yeah. In the se- second round, I was kind of eyeing, you know, Diggs, um, Fulton, Jalen Johnson were the three guys that were kind of falling a little bit. So um, any of them three, I would have been happy. Jalen Johnson ends up going one pick before us to the chargers. Um, and then, you know, Diggs or Fulton, I would have been fine either one. They like Diggs. They liked his athleticism a little bit more. Um, they clearly want, you know, size in a corner and he's six one. Um, physical and it's the pick they made. I was real happy with it. Um, I think it was a good overall pick. Code, anything? Yeah, I think the one thing to me that people didn't really see with with Diggs and why he fell is because he's bad at football. And I think that it's always important to uh, remember those things when you're in, doing your draft evaluations. Look, I, I know everyone got lit up by LSU. It's kind of right of passage in the 2019-20 season. That being said. Um, Diggs just got embarrassed. I mean, the, the, they just targeted him almost. And it's one thing to, to have a rough game against two of the best receivers in football and the best quarterback in, in college. Uh, it's another thing to, for them to target you and go after you. And that's really what they did against him. And, and he did not sort of step up to the challenge. I, I think when you look at there's one or uh, scouts going on one game, good one game, bad. And typically, you know, the bad game is, is what kind of draws people away. And I think why he fell is because that Bama game really exposed a lot of his flaws. So um, I think he, he put a good body of work together in college. I just don't think that – I think they look at that and say, you know, the elite guys are going to get him in trouble. 
And uh, yeah, I think that's why he fell. It was still a good value pick on consensus, but wasn't uh, to me wasn't um, something to get excited about. But you know, I get I, I get why the value would would excite people. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm there with you with the, you know, with the LSU, um, obviously definitely a concern. I think that's probably the reason that he did fall. If you take that game out, he had a you know, really successful uh, season. He gave up, I think they said, you know, about something over 200 yards the whole season, like specifically on him and over 130 yards in that game. And I think it's also more um, if LSU has Jamar Chase in a one-on-one situation, like they're, they're targeting that. I don't know if it was necessarily them targeting Diggs as much as it is we have, we have Jamar Chase on the outside one on one we're, we're, we're going to throw to him. Right. And that was pretty much their motto in every situation. So uh, yeah, I don't that's know. That's fair. We'll, we'll, question we'll question on that though. So mm-hmm. say Ohio State beats Clemson in the in the semifinal and they go to LSU. Which they should have, yeah. Which they should have. I agree. Right. Um, Okuda gets lit up gets lit up by Chase. Is Okuda still a top three pick? Um, yeah, I mean, Okuda's a special talent. Might, he's a, he was a top three pick, so I, I think that's... A no, I know. You, I'm saying, like, do you like you think Chase lights him up for 150 yards? National, I'm not saying he does do that. I'm saying yeah, if yeah, that yeah. happened. Right. No. Um, I, yeah, obviously not. I mean, but... Well, yeah. what's all, It's so what's funny also, how, like, certain things happen. Like, what's Okuda also, playing LSU only hurts him. Right, and what's yeah. also amazing is how guys like Fulton and A.J. Terrell started to get a pass, as, like we mentioned in the last pod... You know, like time heals all wounds. Like we're just going to yeah. forget about how they got ripped up in a national championship game, and and people just start to give them a pass. But everyone wants to still kind of pick on Diggs for for those mishaps in those games. Yeah, I mean, if it's AJ Terrell at 17 or Trevon Diggs at 51, like I'm, you know, give me Diggs all day. I wanted no part of a cornerback, you know, that early. So I'm happy they waited till the second round, and I'm happy with the guy they got. Yeah. I like him off the field too. I just think he's, you know, I think he's a good kid. Yeah, he does seem like a solid I like his, pers- yeah. like his personality. So. Well, I wonder what the NFL's like tragedy they put in his profile was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they definitely had something. I forget what it was. But Dad once shoplifted when he was a child. He overcame that. To Actually, dude, I don't know. He might have not had. He might have not had a dad. I think wow. he said he said Stefan was like that, you know took the father figure role for him. So that, that oh, was it. Right there. stuff he here on the Wad Pod. Yeah. Dave, I'm gonna let you take on Hertz. I I have no opinion on him. I don't think it's possible to have an opinion on him. So go for it. All right, I'm stretching. I just cracked my neck a little bit. Okay, so here we go with Hertz. Okay, the the shock of the draft. I was I was at. We were watching together. Um, I wish there was one of those videos where we were recording our reactions because. I, <laughs> I really wish heard, we were. You just heard jaws hit the floor. I'm sure you could hear it worldwide. But I mean it can really be divided so easily into like a simple duel. And it's, if you're a Wentz guy, you hate it. And if you're an anti Wentz Foles guy, you might not fully love it, but you're calling Hertz Russell Wilson. Um, you heard me talk on every episode about how much of a fan I was of Hertz. I claimed he was a first round talent. We told you to bet on it. The value was there, of course, but I really felt he was a first round quarterback. I thought he was just as good, if not better than Jordan Love. Um, He's a winner. He's a leader. He's athletic. He's gifted on so many levels. He's played under Nick Saban and Lincoln Riley, maybe the two best coaches in college football. Excels in an RPO system. Extremely elusive. He's also extremely raw. His mechanics could never come around. He breaks the pocket when there's throws to be made. He's played with insane weapons at both schools. There's a ton of deep throws where guys like CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy had to slow down and come back to the ball. 
Um, his eyes drop when pressure's on. He's going to roll out and void the pocket instead of climbing it. Um, and that's a major concern when he has offensive lines like Alabama and Oklahoma protecting him. Um, does J.K. Dobbins and Denzel Mims help this team way more than Jalen Hurts? Absolutely 100%. You wouldn't find a podcast that was more pro-Mims. We guaranteed he was a first-round pick. He almost fell to the third round. Pairing Mims with Rager would have been a dream come true for me, and J.K. Dobbins and Miles Sanders would have been unbelievable. But skill position players aren't going to matter if Josh McCown is in your quarterback. If Carson Wentz becomes unavailable, which he has the last three years, he has nine playoff snaps. He has not finished a season. He has not taken the last snap at quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles since 2016. Give me Jalen Hurts coming into a game over Josh McCown, over Nate Sudfeld, Clayton Thorson. Give me Jalen Hurts being used in specific packages. Give me Jalen Hurts learning from bright minds like Carson Wentz, like Doug Peterson. Expand your offense. We loved Rieger. He gave you dynamic at the position. He added an element that the team lacked. Jalen Hurts does the same. Carson Wentz is a starter. He's the future. He's it. He's a $128 million quarterback. He's got a plethora of weapons around him now. So once they all get hurt, I can't wait to hear, you know, from the front office that they didn't do enough and all these people saying that they didn't give him enough weapons. But I love the pick. You got a first-round quarterback at 53. Your quarterback room got better. Your team got better. Food, tell me I'm wrong. I mean, yeah. Like, it's just – we both love the player. We both were just surprised with the fit. And then, like, the analytics crowd really likes it. Um, the folks who are less analytically inclined really fucking hate it. And, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I think the quarterbacks hold their values. So the, the logic is there. It's just, like, here's well, here's one thing I'll say. I could see this being the norm in five years, where teams draft backup quarterbacks a lot earlier that fall, and they're just backups. Like, there's no, like hidden agenda or anything like that. Maybe there is with the Eagles, but at the same time, I think that they're going to be the first of many to do this. And I think, you know, the first person to do always do stuff like this is always going to get shit for it. But, you know, in five years when the teams, when the Chiefs draft the quarterback in the second round, knowing full well he's never going to be out my homes, you know, no one's going to be surprised by it. I mean, the thing that the, the best question I think that was really asked on draft night. I mean, there was a lot of questions asked to Howie and Doug and, and their, their responses were crazy. Like how they want to be a quarterback factory. Um, then it went to how this is insurance and how, how he wants to protect this team and protect this fan base. I, I mean, it pretty much all screamed. They don't really think Carson Wentz can stay healthy or if he doesn't, they don't want to bail on a season because I know a lot of people think if Carson Wentz stays in that game, they beat the Seahawks in the playoffs. I, I think so too. But I mean, you can't say that they lost to the Seahawks with Carson Wentz early in the season, but um, the, the best thing is like, what is, what is Jalen Hurts is like potential? Like, what, like if he pans out, you now have a $128 million quarterback. who's only going to start making more money the next couple of years. And you have a very, extremely good backup on a cheap salary. I get it. But wh- like, are you capping his ceiling by taking him the second round behind a quarterback like Wentz? Um, I think that's a major issue. Um, First off, so the the best case scenario with Hertz is that Wentz suffers a freak injury that leaves him out like five or six games once. Right, and that's Hertz, terrible. <laughs> Hertz comes in, Hertz comes in, plays extremely well in year two or three, say, um, and then you flip him the next season when it's you know Wentz is healthy, playing well for a first round pick or, or more. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got a first and a fourth for Bradford. You could probably get more for a good 
player like Hertz, he's extremely young. He's been productive all four years in college. He people, I think people still had that playoff with Bama in their mind as term, in terms because he looked horrible. But aside from that one playoff, he had been a really productive quarterback from age 18 on in college. He's only 21 still. It seems like he's been around forever because he has, but he's still super young. Obviously an awesome teammate. Um, to me, I mean, the, the player itself, you know, the, the it's nitpicking the stuff that you don't like. He's not super dynamic. But, um, you know, I, I think that the, it's very easy to imagine the upside here. And if he never plays, he never plays. But you can. there's enough preseason snaps and reps and, and talk where you're going to get something for him. You know, he's not going to lose the value to the level unless he just sucks. Uh, to where he's getting fifth, sixth, seventh round offers. That's that's to answer your question about what his upside is. That's what his upside is. It's more for the team than himself. See, I have one comment on that food. Um, you said like best case scenario, Wentz goes out for a little bit of time, and then Hertz comes in, looks really good, and then they can flip him for a first round pick or more. If if Wentz goes down again, the city is not going to want to trade him because they're going to just say we need to keep this guy because Wentz is probably going to go down again because that'll be how, Wentz's how many fifth, times sixth exactly injury, whatever it's going to be we, we, how then, many times can we do this how many if times Hurts, can we if Hurts comes in and shows that he's good then you you might as well keep that guy you might as well keep it's just, it just it just depends on a lot of different it depends on a lot of different things though man because if, if it's not clear Hurts is better That's Wentz's contract is prohibitive with with, dra- with with trading we'll get more for Hurts um and honestly man like you talk about what the city wants. The city didn't want them to draft a quarterback in the second round. Howie not does just not the city, give a but fuck. just like even just everyone. Just not, not. I mean, not just like you know, not just casual fans. I think everyone. If it just doesn't make a lot of sense, if Wentz goes down again, I think you you got to keep Hurts at that point. I mean, if he comes in and looks really good, and you have signs of a of a franchise quarterback, and then Wentz has another injury, it's almost like why why would you get rid of him? I think you almost got to look at getting rid of Wentz and. Look, you know, if if Wentz if Wentz somehow hurts. if somehow if Wentz somehow doesn't finish another season for the Eagles next year, I, and on top of that, Hurts comes in and looks really good. Yeah, how, I, how do you trade him? I don't know how. I don't know what they're gonna do because you, you're you're committing all this all this. But that's the thing. You guaranteed so much money to him. It, his contract's not movable. You're gonna eat so much money. It's not even gonna be worth the whole having the rookie on the on or having the rookie quarterback on the contract because you're still gonna be paying Wentz. It's 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 extremely tough situation. Um, and if you're a Jalen Hurts fan and you want him to be the quarterback, it's like you're hoping for Carson Wentz to get hurt. And if that's the case, you're you're pathetic. Um, I just I think I almost feel like I almost feel like best case scenario would be him just looking really good in preseason and a team getting desperate and overpaying for him. And, and, Wentz, we don't have, and we're not even going to have preseason. We won't even have a preseason this year, at least. So. Not this year, no. No, I, I do. Th- I, I think just, there will be enough. There's a good scenario. That comes out of this. No, I, I think I think a good scenario is having two starting caliber quarterbacks. I think yeah. that's a good scenario. Now dealing with how to how to maneuver those guys, who to keep, how long to keep them, for what, you know, that's that's where you, the decision making comes in, and that's why you have to trust, you know, that you can make those decisions as a GM. We'll see. It's a really interesting. Um, it's kind of more of a chess move, in my opinion. I will see if it works out or not. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like we'll see the best case scenario is him never playing a snap, and I disagree with that. I really do. And my it's my last thing, naive to think that. My last thing is, I for all the Eagles fans that that don't that still don't value the backup quarterback position, I don't I don't understand what you've been watching the past almost twenty years for this organization. I mean, if any team should, yeah, exactly. Every every almost every big run has has been tagged to a to a 
backup quarterback. Nick Foles won you a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. Donovan McNabb would go down year after year. We'd have guys like Kevin Cobb coming in, Michael Vick coming in. Jeff Shout out to A.J. Philly. A.J. Like, the backup quarterback in Philadelphia is 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 so much more important than the backup quarterback in New England, obviously. Like, the teams value positions differently. The backup quarterback is uh, – I, I don't even think that far away from the starting quarterback with the Eagles right now, especially given their history. Yeah. Yeah, I think it All was right. more so the immediate reaction surprise. I wish we had that on video, Dave. You were right. Yeah, that was, that was that was we priceless. Were, we were shocked. Video. Um let's let's move on. Uh let's go into uh well, like I mentioned, Denzel Mims, he went to the Jets at uh the end of the second round, as well as JK Dobbins going to the Ravens at the end of the second round. Uh two great picks. Um moving into day uh the end of the Third round, the Cowboys were up on the clock at 90, and they took uh, Neville Gallimore, um, defensive tackle, Oklahoma, filling another need. Um, the Cowboys, you knew coming in this draft, they were looking for defense. Um, they obviously had to pivot when CD was there at 17, but I think they did. They made a two uh, pretty solid pickups and digs and um, Gallimore to fill some holes. Uh, Troy, you like anything about Gallimore? Yeah, I like the pick a lot. Um, definitely filled the need, like you said. I think that. Um, them signing, you know, Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe free agency gave them a little bit of, um, you know, freedom to, to wait on it. I don't think they need an immediate day one starter out of Gallimore, which I think is good. But those guys are both over 30. You don't know how many snaps you're going to get out of them. Obviously, you need to bring in depth. Um, you know, he's a bigger guy. He's over 300 pounds, but he has really good quickness for that size. Um, I think he could play three tech. I think he play one tech. Um, got a little flexibility there. He can rush the passer. Good against the run. He had a lot of, um, you know, buzz potentially going in the late part of the first round. Definitely was thought, you know, to be gone in the second round. We get yeah. him pretty late in the third round, so I thought the value was really good. Um, like for any pick that you get later, obviously you're going to say, well, there's a reason he was there. So um, the value only means so much. But uh, I, I think it was, I think it was a really good pick. It was between, I was kind of between him or uh, Jordan Elliott here. Defensive tackle, another one. He went a couple picks later. Yeah. Um, he went to Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken, which I was mistaken earlier, Jalen Johnson. Um, but I think, yeah, I think uh, I think he was a good pick. Definitely wanted one of them two guys. I don't think there was any edge rushers at this point that were really exciting me. Um, a guy we'll get to a little bit later was an option here, and um, I think, you know, I think it was a good pick. Yeah, um, and that leads us to pick 103, uh, which is, for a lot of people, another head-scratcher by the Eagles. Um, <laughs> linebacker from Colorado, Davion Taylor. Um, you watch his tape, and things jump off right away. I mean, he's 4.49 speed and explosiveness, extremely fast for a linebacker. Uh, the athletic profile is fun. Um, definitely raises his ceiling. The problem is his lack of experience and awareness due to the fact that he didn't even play football in high school. Um he played in one game in high school uh, due to his religious beliefs. And I know a lot of people are going to love this. Um, Matt Hayes for Bleach Report did an entire background on the story. And uh, the Sabbath for the seventh day Adventists is observed for their from sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday when Adventists refrain from secular work and recreation to honor the holy day. Since high school football games in Mississippi are played on Friday nights, this was an obvious no-no. And followed up by a quote from his mama, I wouldn't allow it. Davion's mother, Stephanie Taylor, said, as long as he lived under my roof, he followed my rules. So we definitely have an eerie pro comp to Bobby Boucher, a linebacker for the Mud Dog. 
my dogs, whose mama also wouldn't allow Bobby to play football. Um, no, seriously, you guys have to read this. We'll post a link to the Wadpod Twitter. Uh, just an insane story and a path to where he is today. Um, he's going to take some time to develop. He can step in and contribute on teams right away, which is good. Um, what's also good is that you let him learn under Jim Schwartz, who hates linebackers, and our extremely experienced linebacking course with TJ Edwards and Nate Gary. Uh, it sounds like a match made in heaven. And it was also cool watching Akeem Davis-Gaither go four picks later. So uh, another another barn burn from the birds here, food. Yeah, no, it was um, – I like – I mean, I didn't really know much about him before the draft. I had, I thought he was more of a fourth-round guy. Yeah. I mean, it was like legit almost the last pick of the thing, so it's not like it was bad value. But um, violent, really violent dude. And you watch like the, the highlight plays <clears throat> Colorado and like – you see the all pro like potential, like on like two plays per game. And it's like, it's there. Um, very similar to a first round player that went, who was explosive, doesn't really know what he's doing yet. Is Kenneth Murray um, for the Eagles to get that guy 80 picks later. Um, was, is, is pretty good to me. No, I, I think, look, I mean, they needed linebacker help there. They needed athleticism. Uh, he fits both the mold of both. They got to trust that um, Schwartz and um, really the entire defensive uh, coaching squad, coaching staff can help him out there. Um, that being said, he shouldn't have any problem getting snaps if he's any good. So we'll know pretty early on what they think of him. Cause if, if TJ Edwards and Nate Gary are playing over him, then that's going to be a little bit of trouble. Yeah. They, and the best part is like these like Eagles Twitter account that post like random videos of players. They keep posting videos of Davion Taylor where Colorado's down like 45 to six and they're showing like runs breaking free to the secondary and like Davion Taylor chasing them down like 40, 50 yards to get a tackle. And like the captions are like, this is why the Eagles selected Davion Taylor for this hustle and effort. I was like, anytime you can get a linebacker, you know, in the third round, that's going to be tackling down runners after not filling the right gap and giving up a 60 yeah. yard gash run. That fits the defense perfectly, man. Yeah, it's, he fits right in. So, um, Oh yeah. Anytime like they crop out the scoreboard on highlight tapes, you know, that it was like, <laughs> 70 70 to 10, 7 at one point. Dude, I saw that Oregon video like five times. They were literally down 44 to 6. And CJ Verdell breaks like another 30 yard run. Like they're just because they're just running the clock out. And Davion Taylor is just full sprint down the field, like from the opposite hatch, like tackling these guys. And like people are like going crazy in the comments about about like his leadership. And like I'm just like, what oh sure if God, dude. That's that's what people think we need, man. It's you need it. Yeah. It's leadership, man, and we love it. And I also think it's funny that Wentz not only might be the second-best quarterback on the team, but he's certainly at least the second-most religious guy on the team now. And he, he worked hard. Now, the quarterback <laughs> thing was one thing. He was kind of gifted that spot, but he worked really hard yeah. that second spot, getting becoming the most religious guy in, on the team, maybe the league. Now we got a guy who literally skips football games, loves the Lord more than football. Wentz, his only response here is to skip football games in, in, in the fall because of the Sabbath. If he doesn't do that, then then he loses out to Davion Taylor, the most religious player on, on the Eagles. You got to wonder if this is going to cause some sort of controversy, a religious yeah. controversy in the locker room. How he's playing 3D chess here by by getting in Wentz's head with his third round pick, so his second round pick can go in and start. Not to mention the shrine of Nick Foles that still lives in the locker room created by Chris Long. <laughs> they, they still haven't taken down. It's full of dust and cobwebs. It's, it's <laughs> then the one outside the statue <laughs> and the statue, but. Um, so after a maddening day two for a lot of Eagles fans, day three came along and it, it healed some temporary wounds. Um, they made a good pick at 127, but before that, uh, the Cowboys were on the clock and they grabbed a cornerback, um, Reggie Robinson, uh, with the 17th pick in the fourth round, cornerback redshirt senior from Tulsa. Um, he's one of those guys that's like always around the football. He's got good size and strength. He can strike for a cornerback. If you watch his tape, he, uh, he can hit. 
Um, he's not terribly balanced. I found him losing his footing a lot, especially with some of his better matchups. I saw him on the ground a ton. Um, and his breaks are like delayed when he plants and goes. I don't know if it's like mechanical or more like mental. Um, still, uh, definitely some correctable things. And in the fourth round, I think this was a pick that was really liked by a lot of people, um, especially a lot of plugged in people on Twitter. Um, how about you, Troy? Were you happy with the pick? Yeah, like, yeah, pretty much uh, agree with everything you said there. Um, I think it was a good pick, good value. Needed another corner to come in and compete. Um, this, you know, the thinnest position that we had. Uh, I think he was a little bit similar to Diggs. Um, as far as, you know, size, speed, athleticism and right, kind of, yeah. kind of weaknesses as well. So clearly they had a type of player that they were looking at. Um, I think, you know, a little bit <laughs> sloppier footwork, hips not as smooth, um, you know, ends up on the ground here and there. But um, I think they liked the the physicality, the size and the athleticism. So um, I didn't, you know, didn't know a ton about him coming in. I've seen him a little bit, watched, you know, a highlight or two uh, before the draft. But um you know, I dove in a little bit more, and like you said, a lot of people plugged in, really liked them. Um, you know, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he should have an opportunity to come in right away, and uh, at least compete for you know compete for a job because you know. We yeah, love I'm happy you said that because I'm I'm curious. How do you think that their cornerback depth chart is kind of going to shake out? I mean, it's really tough to say. They need they need one of these guys to come in and start. Obviously, you would hope it would be Diggs. Right. Um, take them in the second round. You need, you need one of these guys to play. I think that they feel good about their slot situation. I think Jordan Lewis or Anthony Brown, they're both under six foot, which they hate as an outside corner. Right. So either one of them inside, I think they feel good about. Um, they have Cheeto, Bougier, who they've talked about moving to safety, but I think he's going to stay a corner. He's, they, they just don't really have the flexibility to even move him, um, to move him out, move him out to safety. So I think that he's going to stay a corner. He'll probably be starting on one side, and they hope Diggs will come in, start on the other. Robinson kind of competing in that spot. Um, Lewis in the slot, I think, will start. Anthony Brown competing and just, you know, hope some someone emerges as, you know, a reliable option after losing Byron Jones. Yeah, I, 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 see, you know. I see where you're going with that. And I, I think the Eagles kind of had a similar mindset in the selection of Kayvon Wallace at 27. They kind of have a... Uh, a nice little hand of safeties here that they kind of want to lead through and, and try and find who's who can maybe be a, a potential long-term um, solution. Um, Kayvon Wallace at 127, safety from Clemson. Um, he was a guy that was mocked anywhere really like late second, I would say to like the fifth. Um, a lot of Eagles fans are telling themselves that they used a second on Wallace and a fourth on Hertz, like to justify the Hertz pick. And if, I love that. If but... that's what you got to do to like sleep at night, go ahead. Um, Wallace is a player, though. Uh, I love the pick. He's a power. He's powerful. He plays downhill. He loves being in the box. Um, he hits to punish. Like he's a really strong blitzer. I wouldn't say he's great in coverage. Um, his hips are stiff as a board. He drops a ton of interceptions, which fits right in the philosophy of the Eagles' defense for the past five years. So, like I said, match made in heaven. Um, I wouldn't call him a great tackler. Definitely more of a hitter. Uh, Eagles added to that position. That looks to be somewhat deep for them now. Will Parks was a great addition. I was a big fan. Um, resigning Mills to be a safety is mostly because he can't get the job done at corner. Um, so we'll just see how that experiment works out. Um, I remember Rodney McLeod's been healthy. He's been one of the better signings this team has made over the past few years. So I, I like the pick food, and, and I and I know fans are loving the Kayvon highlights. Loving the highlights, loving his Twitter feed because he's a uh, oh, big um, Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Hard to argue that he's not the second coming of Troy Palomalu mixed with the little Earl Thomas. Um, that whoa, being said, whoa, whoa, Earl, <laughs> domestic yeah. Earl, we go by. <laughs> oh, wow. 
Yeah, we are, we are not discuss his private business on the podcast. Some, all you hoes. <laughs> I was dying at his Instagram where he's like, it's no one's business. It's like, well, now it is. <laughs> but um, anyway, no, I mean, you know, I think you can't expect, you can't get much more excited about a fourth round pick than we were for Wallace. I mean, we're both big fans of his going in. Uh, we want, I wanted him at 103. I would have been, I told Dave the day of the draft, 53 would have been fine with me, honestly. It would have been a breach, but I liked him that much. So for 127 to get him, I think that <laughs> it eased a lot of the wounds from the day two stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, while, very sound player. He's not he's not the quickest, flashiest guy, but he's he's strong in coverage and in the run. I think he's going to start at some point this year. I don't think Mills and McLeod are both going to have good years. I mean, I'd be, it would be <laughs> kind of a surprise if they did. McLeod's older, injury-prone. Right. Uh, not injury prone, but has, is coming off that Achilles injury still. Mills hasn't played safety in the NFL yet. So um, Wallace will come in starting as many games in the safety in the NFL as Mills has. So uh, I think the job's up for grabs. Mills is also on a one-year deal. People act like Mills is, like, entrenched. He, he's not. I, I know people love Mills, but he's it's not the same thing with Will Parks. They're both on one-year deals, and Rod's on a two-year where they can get out of at the next year. So they, they this, this position in the long term is really still up in the air. Oh, 100%. 100%. So I think he's going to have every chance to get, take a long-term starting job. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, pretty uh, pretty straightforward evaluation on Wallace there. I think everyone's super excited about him. Yeah, um, moving on to the end of the fourth round, um, the Eagles had a selection at 145. They took Jack Driscoll, um, a tackle from Auburn. Um, maybe not even a tackle, could just could kind of play every position. Um, I think they're kind of hoping he could be the, their next big V. Um, kind of that swing guy that could fill in for um, an injury, stuff like that. Uh, good prospect. Um, and then they also had 146, and I remember sitting there watching, and I was begging for a guy like James Prochet or uh, some other names on the board. And, and Howie, you know, strikes again as it pops up the Eagles trade, the pick to the Cowboys, um, where we've, we've had a ton of success doing this. Um, this was the first time the two teams have traded since 2010. And we were just looking this up earlier. The Eagles traded their second to the Cowboys. They took Sean Lee. We got a second and I think a fourth back. And we took Montario Hardesty and Clay Harbor. Um, so Eagles definitely won the trade there. Um, and at 146, the Cowboys selected uh, Tyler Biadash. This is a guy that before last, before this college season was a top 20 pick. Um, he was a center from Wisconsin, which is always usually a great turnout. Um, he really slipped a ton, obviously, uh, in this past season. I, I, I don't know really why. He's not that athletic. He also was getting laid out a ton. Um, I don't know really what happened from his his last season to this season, but uh, for for a fourth for the end of the fourth round pick, I think this is a nice uh, nice pick for the Cowboys. Troy. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I liked it. I thought, like you said, based on 2018, he would have been probably a first-round pick. Play slipped off a lot. He was battling an injury. So, uh, you know, his play definitely dipped off a little bit. But getting him at the end of the fourth round, I think, you know, everyone, he's immediately the next Travis Frederick because he's a center from the ground. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, <laughs> Cowboys, were, you know, they think he's immediately going to come in start day one. I obviously don't <clears> see that. Uh, being, you know, it's a possibility, but I don't see that being like the expectation. Uh, I think he comes in and competes. We have, you know, Joe Looney there who stepped in for for Frederick when he went down two years ago, and he played pretty well. Um, you know, not not an All Pro by any means, but you know, he's 
solid enough. He could start. So we have sure. Looney there. We uh, drafted Connor McGovern last year, who we pretty much redshirted because of an injury. So he's going to come in. He started center for Penn State for a few years. We drafted him in the third round last year. I think we'd like him to come in. Um, and then, you know, be at itch and just kind of an- another position of competition and kind of see who emerges. We might not even have an offseason, so we might not know. But if that's the case, it'll be Looney and, you know, be will, will be a depth guy. So I think it was a good pick. Um, end of the fourth round, like you said, pretty good value and definitely filled a position in need. Imagine this poor kid coming in. I believe that they get the they don't get the Eagles till early November. But imagine this poor kid coming in rookie year. First of November has to go up against Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. <laughs> yeah, like I, I just don't see how that's the expectation for him. But well, I mean, Travis, Travis Frederick was was fine with it, so he should be okay, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, the, it's funny because everyone was like, "Oh, we need a new Frederick." Like the Frederick pick when they made it was wildly unpopular. Like oh, by yeah, everyone, it was by everyone. Yeah, and he ended up being a great player, and then quitting on the team. Um, <laughs> don't need context on that one, but um. Yeah, no, for sure. So, um, what what uh what other guys in the last few rounds did you guys really like? That uh, Troy, we have a couple Cowboys guys. I have an Eagles guy. I know I want to discuss. I know Dave yeah, does too. We only had two other picks. It was Bradley and I and Danucci. Danucci, you know, is just a seventh round quarterback project. Don't really expect much from him. Quarterback um, factory in Dallas. Yeah, yes, quarterback yes. factory. We drafted, you know, our backup quarterback <laughs> in the seventh round, like most teams, but. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, no, but seriously, Bradley and I, though, in the fifth round was actually one of my favorite. That was probably my second favorite pick in the in the draft behind Lamb. Yeah, I wasn't thrilled. I was really happy we got him in the fifth round. I was, you know, once we hit the third round, I was like, okay, you know, Bradley and I, definitely an option here. Um, he ends up falling to the fifth round. He had a, a, you know, a poor combine, didn't test great athletically. Uh, I think he ran a 4-9, a four which was, you know, his worst uh statistic in, in the combine so ran a slow 40 time but when you turn on the tape i mean he, he can rush the passer he had i believe he had 24 sacks the last two years 13 and a half last year um ton of production he looks so fast as a rusher too which he is so surprising with the 40 tape. combine yeah I mean, definitely you know you put him in gym shorts and have him run a sprint i mean he's not he doesn't time well but i think i don't see the speed being an issue on tape he's got really good hands um i thought it was a great pick for them I really wanted the clown his 40 time, but I also am the same guy who was like, no, like Rager's 40 times the hooks, but so is Justin Jefferson's, but like for different reasons. <laughs> like Rager's faster than Jefferson, sorry. Because I wanted the clown you for having a guy ran slower than Worfs did, but I'm like, well, That's I, already, I already basically did the, that mental. Lo- I mean, look, here's the thing 40 times only matter if, if it works out for your team. If, if the guy that you pick ran a faster 40 than, than you would right. think, like Mims, when you take a Mims, 40 time would have been the gold standard for speed. Since you took regular, it doesn't matter. So, you know, you got to move the goalpost a little bit. Um, Prince Tego Wanago, who I definitely, whose name I've definitely pronounced correctly, um, <clears throat> was my favorite day three or last three round pick of the Eagles. I think this guy should have been a third, maybe fourth round pick. He got him, I believe, in the sixth. Um, heavy Dennis Kelly, um, you know, Halapulitivaitai vibes, Big V. Um, this is a guy who I think. Uh, is going to be less versatile than those two. Uh, I think he'll only play tackle. That being said, I think he's going to be really good as a backup, and I think he's a guy that if he has to do a spot start here and there, he'll, he'll be fine. Um, I like him more than Driscoll. I think Driscoll's more of an interior lineman anyway. So, um, yeah, that was my favorite day three pick, aside from Wallace, the Eagles made. And they made a bunch of them. I think they ended up with 10 picks, and then also Marquise Goodwin. Um, 
and seven of those were on day three. So, yeah, I think they made two really stellar day three picks. Yeah, I, I like the prick of Prince as well. I like that his mother's name is Princess. Um, so that was really interesting. Um, guys like Hightower, Quez Watkins. I know Troy was a fan of Quez. Um, you got to hope one of them pans out. Uh, both kind of similar receivers in their build and their speed. But, um, yeah, I, I like the addition of Marquise Goodwin, too. Um, now the, the thing on Twitter is that the Eagles are a track team. Um, when they all have hamstring injuries by the third week, and we're moving as slow as molasses again. We'll we'll see um, just how fast we are, but I'm excited overall. Um, I thought Bradley was a good pickup, um, a local kid, probably probably a special team uh, player. But um, if you can get high quality contributors in this on special teams in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, it's it's not the end of the world. Um, like we said with linebacker for this team, we don't know who's who's even a long term solution anyway, so you never know. Um, but I think they, I think the Eagles did a ton of good things on day three. Um, I, I thought they had one of the better drafts in the league all around. I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but I know a lot of people think day three was great. Um, I think both teams did well. Um, I love Bradley and a for the Cowboys. I love them for the Eagles. I love them as a prospect. Um, fun kid, uh, told stories about how he like wrestles sharks and dolphins in the ocean from Hawaii. He's out of control. Um, I can't wait to see him uh, wrestle Lane Johnson uh, <laughs> laying on his back. That'll be fine. Um, along with the Eagles and Cowboys, I thought the Ravens just, just killed this draft, especially day three, um, getting two guards and Tyree Phillips and Ben Bredesen. These are just two monster guards. One of them is going to pan out to replace Marshall Yonda. Um, we all loved Bredesen. I was shocked they got him as late as they did. And then they go and get guys like James Prochet and Geno Stone um, that – we all, uh, as a group, liked the Ravens just killed this draft, and th- they just seem to be making so many great roster moves lately. Um, I know Food's been a, a big fan of what the Ravens have been doing as well. Yeah, the Geno Stone pick might have might have been the best day three pick to me at least that there seventh was. Round, I mean, right? Seventh round, I think he could have. I think his skill set lended himself to to like a late, honestly, not even late, like a day two level pick. Um, I don't think if he went in the third round, anyone should have been surprised by that. And honestly, the second round, even I would have been like, well, it was a reach, but whatever. The guy is a complete stud. Um, gets after the ball, uh, ball hawk, good in the run, good in the pass. His stature is kind of what hurt him, but um, played at a blue blood school. Like to me, it was it was a mystery why he fell as much as yeah. he did. Um, so yeah, Geno. So I mean, the Ravens, <laughs> your boy Siggy, <laughs> said that like the Ravens having a good draft is like the free, it's like the free space on a bingo board. Like Friend it's gonna happen regardless. Friend of the pod, Siggy. Um, and so he says, like, a free space on the bingo board. It's like, it's going to happen every year. They're going to have a good draft. They're just that good an organization. Yeah. And even when they make a bad pick, like Hayden Hurts, they flip him two years later for a second-round pick. And it's like, okay, all's kind of forgiven on that because you took Lamar Jackson five picks later or whatever it was. So, yeah, the Ravens keep ravening. And uh, good for them. Yeah, I mean, and along with the uh, great day three holes we had, there was there was a ton of big draft surprises. Um Obviously, with, with CD to the Cowboys and Jalen Hurts to the Eagles, maybe the two biggest in the entire draft. Um, I thought the next biggest one was Josh Jones um, going 72nd overall to the Cardinals. Um, on our draft primer, we had um, guys that were buzzing and were falling. We told you Josh Jones was somewhat falling uh, from that Ian Rappaport tweet that Josh Jones could go anywhere from the first round to the third round. Right there was a red flag. Um, and... I still didn't want to believe it, but 
I, I couldn't believe he got past like even the Bengals at the start of the second round. And, and, and then you're just watching him fall and fall. And finally the Cardinals say, okay, I mean, we'll, we'll take him if we have to. Um, was really surprised to see a guy like Jones fall. Yeah. Um, Cliff Kingsbury even said, he's like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, why is, why is he it makes no sense. Yep. Yeah. I really wish they would have gone the full length and been like, we were considering him at eight. I, I think that would have been hilarious. <laughs> Because <laughs> no one's gonna question you on it. Like, what are you like? What are you do? <laughs> I love when teams everything. Do that shit. So good. Oh yeah, we were considering this guy with our last pick, but the Cardinals were like so far apart. But yeah, anyway, I mean, Jones should have gone in the first round. I was, I thought, I thought he was better than Austin Jackson. I definitely thought he was better than Isaiah Wilson. So I was a little surprised to see him fall. But the Cardinals, um, who I think should have taken the tackle in the first round, actually get get one in the third that kind of makes up for it. So. Uh, results over process, fellas. As high as high as I, as I, as I <laughs> yeah, um, definitely, definitely some results for the Packers too, Troy, who had just a just a hell of a draft. Um, <laughs> AJ Dillon at sixty three and Josh DeGuar at ninety four. I I don't even know what to say here, Troy. Yeah, I mean the Packers just knocked it out of the park here. They did a fantastic job in this draft. Uh, you know, backup quarterback in the first round. AJ Dillon in the, in the second round was just. It was terrible. Um, he didn't belong in the second round. I think that they panicked because all the talk everywhere was about them not getting any skill position players to help Rodgers. And then when they're on the clock in the second round, pretty much all the receivers that they were looking at were gone. There was a big run on receivers in the second round. So I think that they kind of got their hands tied and, and reached badly for Dylan, who you know wasn't really positioned in need. He's not going to start over Aaron Jones. I know in the future, or Jamal you know, Williams or Jamal Williams. I mean, Aaron Jones, I know his contract's running up and, you know, he might not stay there, but uh, I just, for the second round, you're taking a backup running back. First round, you take a backup quarterback. They did nothing to help themselves this draft for a team that, you know, just won 13 games last year somehow and is trying to compete. You know, it just, it makes no sense. Fellas, you have arguably the best quarterback of a generation with about three years left in his prime. Uh, you just went 13 and three, got the NFC Championship game. And you got a draft here where you have one major need, maybe two if you count linebacker. So what do you do? Do you, do you a build your team, improve the areas that you need improving, strengthen strengths, uh, and help your aging quarterback that you just went 13 and three with, What's or do you spend the entire all three days spiting that quarterback? And going and doing everything you can to piss him off, just so he gets more angry for next year. Yes, those that, are your two options. I think, that, I think that the one. Packers should have wrong one, boys. Yeah, my favorite thing about AJ Dillon is um, how he's like the power back that can run in December and January at Lambeau when it's snowing and it's cold. Um, give me a break, seriously, give me a break. And then them calling Josh Deguara, uh, the the Kyle Use check. I mean, I mean, come on. I like Deguara. I, I thought he was even a target for possibly for the Eagles in the, in the fourth, fifth round. Um, they took Deguara over Troutman. I, I, I just, I just did not understand this. If, you, if you're telling me you're taking Deguara to play a fullback role at 94, okay, well, whatever. That's just a disgrace. This was just a horrible draft for them. I, I didn't even, I don't even hate AJ Dillon. I think he can do a lot of good things. He can't catch, um, which seems like it could be important for running backs especially with how much production Aaron Jones had catching the football last year. I don't know. But, um, yeah, moving on uh, from them to the Rams, who had – On that, though, I, I will say, like, to see – like, you look at, like, the NFC, right? Like, okay, last year was Niners were the one seed. 
and they're going to be good for a little while, but the, the quarterback situation is kind of fluid there in terms of Jimmy G just might not be good. Um, yeah, the Packers, who just had an awful draft with an aging quarterback, who's not going to be that much longer. Um, they're going to, and they were in a 13 and three roster last year. The Saints, Breeze is probably in his last year, and unless you're a Taysom Hill believer, but none of us are. Uh, they're going to go down. Mm-hmm. Oh, James, yeah, sorry. Um, but no, I mean, you can't really replace Drew Breeze. Um, Eagles, I mean, you know, they're, they're up in the air. But my point, I say a lot to say this, the Eagles, the Eagles and Cowboys, I don't just say this because there are teams, that they're in position to run this, run the NFC for a long, long time. The NFC East is, is, is where, you know, the cream, the cream of the crop is going to be. Um, even the Seahawks had a terrible draft. Awful draft, in my opinion. Um, so long story short, I, I think that it, it's so it's funny with the draft. It's so important to just not have a bad draft as much as it is to have a good draft. Uh, and if you have a bad draft, then you really set yourself back at least one year, if not more. The Seahawks and Packers both did that, in my opinion. I think it, everyone else in the NFC should be grateful for that. Yeah, I think I think that was well said. Um, um, and moving to another NFC team, like we were saying, is, is the Los Angeles Rams, who had a glaring needed offensive line, didn't draft one in the entire draft. Um, they took a running back at 52 in Cam Akers, and they took Van Jefferson at 57, which I thought was definitely a reach for Van Jefferson, even though we all we all as a group liked him. Um, I saw something about his dad is on the coaching staff, maybe. I don't know how true that is. Um but that makes sense as a connection there. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that. <laughs> which, which makes it okay and makes it good. Um, yeah. I, I like Cam Akers, and what's good about Cam Akers is he was incredible at Florida State with absolutely nothing at offensive line, and he gets drafted into the exact same situation in the NFL, so he should just flourish. Um, I was really, really surprised about the Van Jefferson pick. I was less surprised than you, I think. I don't really think it was uh, much of a reach. I think if, if you get Van Jefferson in the third round, you're pretty ecstatic. So I'm not really surprised he went you know, later in the second round. A um, little bit surprised they went running back and then receiver. Like you said, offensive line was their biggest need. And they just ignore it again and just keep trying to get you know skill position players for, for McVay. So I think that the position is more of a surprise than the, than the actual player that was taken. Um, and Goff is so bad under pressure. Like I just don't exactly. understand why. When he has and, a pocket, he can sit there and pick you apart. But and you their get best, a blitz on him, he's done. And their best tackle, Andrew Whitworth, is like going on thirty-eight. I, I just, I just do not understand what they're trying to do. I, I don't, I don't understand it. It's so funny they tricked us. They tricked us into thinking they were a good organization because they hired a good coach who took the league by storm for two years, caught us, caught everyone off guard. Right. And then that guy gets exposed. And like, hey, the Rams are a guard organization again. Because they just keep making awful moves. Acres in, in the second round, regardless of your feelings on Cam Acres, was a terrible decision. Terrible decision. It was. No one died on him. You took a third round running back last year who showed enough promise, apparently. Malcolm Brown looks decent. And you can find Carlos Hyde is still sitting out there. You can find these guys. You know, Acres is not a generational talent, right? By any stretch. You needed alignment. Josh Jones is sitting there. What are you doing? You know what I'm saying? And then, and then Van Jefferson, I mean, you drafted Josh Reynolds to sit for three years. He showed enough promise. You have Cup and Woods still. What are you, you're, you're going to groom a receiver right now, really, in the middle of the playoff hunt? Like, come on, man. I'm with you there. I think the Rams, like, kind of put themselves in, in last in that division, you know, at least on paper. I think the Cardinals are going to be a lot better this year than they were last year. I think Kyler Murray is going to take another step. I really like the draft they had. Obviously, they brought in DeAndre Hopkins. So I think they're going to be a lot better. The Seahawks still have Russell Wilson. They're they're going to win games. They're going to be in playoff contention every year, regardless of what what else you know what they did in the draft or whatever. And obviously the Niners are 
a much better team. So I, I think the Rams are in trouble. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, after the after the Rams moves, um, we have the Raiders who, for the second straight year, probably make the biggest surprise pick of the first round. Um, they take Damon Arnett at 17. Um, almost as shocking as them taking Cleveland Farrell at four the, the previous year. Um, they took him at 19. What's that? They took him at 19. Is that what but I said? You said 17. Uh, sorry, we? okay. Yeah, they took him at 19. Um, Atlantic, Georgia. Oh, God. Yeah, please don't please don't make me think of that. Um, yeah, I I mean I I liked Arnett. He definitely was not a first round corner in my eyes. Um, what's amazing, and me and Phil were talking about this, is that we lost that Big Ten bet for five and a half players in the first round, and we got Damon Arnett. We lost it and got Damon Arnett. Um, but I mean, swinging around in the fourth round, taking a Meek Roberson, who was uh kind of like a Twitter darling. Um, I know Troy's boy uh, Matt Miller was in love with him. Uh, that was a great pickup. So. A couple surprising moves from the Raiders again. I, I liked what the Raiders did, honestly. I mean, I, I think that Arnett was a bad pick, um, you know, getting around that. I think it should just move back and still gotten him. That being said, um, I really like the Ruggs pick. I thought coming back with Bowden and Edwards in the third round, I think they fit that roster really well. I think Bowden's one of my favorite players in the draft. Um, it's weird. It's like Mayock. It's like, I'm going to have, I'm going to just kill this draft. Aside from like one bizarre first round pick, right, you know, right, right, right. Like, you know, so you know, but last year they killed the draft too, and then Farrell's not going to be the worth of fourth round, fourth overall pick. But all the other guys, they look great. So you know, um, I'm going to give the Raiders. I think the Raiders have gotten out of that clown organization into just mediocre level. And I think Mayock's given them a level of respectability and, and uh, competence there that they needed. Um, so yeah, o- overall, I mean, the, the Arnett pick was bad. But I really like the Amiga Robertson pick. I really like the receivers they got in the third rounds for where they got them and, and how they fit. And I think that offense, if Carr plays, can play where, you know, the way he did the, the 12 and 4 season, um, that offense can take off, man. That, that, there's no reason that team can't score some points. The problem is stopping anybody, which they won't be able to do. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I agree. Um, Arnett definitely thought it was, you know, definitely thought a reach, but. Yeah, totally. Um, so we talked a little bit about the Seahawks. Uh, earlier, I think we all agreed that, that Jordan Brooks was an awful pick, especially given they could have had the best linebacker in the draft, second best linebacker in the draft, um, at least in my eyes. Um, do you guys like Brooks at all? Do you guys fans of his? I don't. I don't know if I can say I'm a fan. Um, I definitely would never be taking him over Patrick Queen. Um, I feel like the Seahawks have done obviously pretty good at linebacker over the past, you know however long since they're a legion of boom days. So, so maybe they see something in Brooks that, that we necessarily don't. Um, I was really surprised to see him taking over queen though. And like I said, that was, I mean, Brooks was the one that gave us the over on the big 12. So I certainly wasn't mad about it. Yeah. Um, and then we got uh, Bill's taking Jake from Jake from state farm. Uh, it, and then the fifth round, um, our Eagles took a guy in the fifth round last year, a quarterback who was worse in every single way. Um, so for the Bills to get this guy in the fifth round uh, as he slips um, was a steal, in my opinion. I, I think as a backup, uh, you know, Fromm's going to be dependable. I think he's going to come in and be. Yeah, how much, you know, how much better is Josh Allen than Jake Fromm, honestly? <laughs> wow. Probably, probably a decent amount, but. Yeah. Wow, I'm surprised I think, that you're I think, I think yeah, yeah, I was pretty surprised at that, too. But I think the Bills know what they're getting out of Fromm. You're, you're looking at a career backup with him. 
which is yeah, fine, obviously, fine. for a first-round pick like he, or a fifth-round pick. He, he just not, screams 12 years in the league exactly. getting, like, the Chase Daniel, Chase Daniel contracts. Right. <laughs> it's like that one meme. Uh, it's like that the one where, like, the guy's with his girlfriend, he looks back, and the girlfriend's, like, kind of pissed about it. It's, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a short pass, an even shorter pass. <laughs> it's, like, like, looking back at the even shorter pass, like, all like, excited about it. It's so fucking funny, man. Uh, so, and then my, me, my personal uh, – go ahead, dude. I was just gonna. Uh, were you still saying something about Fromm? No, no, no. But I was. Uh, I was gonna yeah, give yeah. you a list. Of, I was gonna give you a list of names here. Um, let's see if you can. Let's see. This is kind of a test. Um, I hate to put you guys on the spot, but let's see if either of you guys can nail this roster. Okay. So Jimmy Graham, Demetrius Harris, Ben Broniker, J.P. Holtz, Jesper Horstead, Eric Saubert, Darian Clark, and Adam Shaheen. Does anyone that know? That would be the Bears' tight end room. That would be the Chicago Bears tight end room who they add Cole Komet to with a now whopping 10 tight ends on the roster. It's less of a room and more of like an auditorium at this point. <laughs> they can't even properly social distance with all these tight ends in their in their room right now. Um, 10 tight ends of the depth chart. They actually just cut Trey Burton like a week before the draft, so it would have been 11. But uh, they probably cut the best one they had in Trey Burton, which is hilarious. Uh, and they take Cole Komet with, a, uh, uh, with their first pick in the second round, which was – I think a pretty terrible move, but it's funny because we knew they were going to do that too. We, we all we literally said it, said it the said whole on this podcast. The Bears were taking Cole Komet. If you could find any exact landing spot, the Bears were taking a tight end, and it was going to be Cole Komet if he was there. It was it was a slam dunk. Oh, 100 percent. Never never a doubt. Never even a little bit of a doubt. Um, and it's hilarious because you know you give Jimmy Graham a no trade clause, which was the best contract of. of see, I, <laughs> I'm a big believer in calling like player-friendly contracts the best contracts because why would we care about the owners and GMs? Right. Um, so Jimmy Graham got the best contract in free agency by a mile with a no-trade clause, and That's and good. do that, and and then turn around and burn a second round on Cole Komet when you have needs all over the roster. Um, interesting to say the least. But yeah, um, you know what we can do. Let's let's talk about interesting here. We're going to finish up here. Um, the, so the Patriots had a pretty fun draft. Um, they didn't take a kicker. or I'm sorry. They didn't take a quarterback. They did take a kicker. They took a very racist kicker uh, in that food. Um, you have anything anything you want to tell us about this? this, was, this, was, this, this all the day three zombie watching of the draft of guys that like you might know made this this pick made it worth it. Um, you see, OK, Pat's a good kicker. Weird. Whatever. Like it happens. Then you get, then you check Twitter, <laughs> and Twitter is not even so much digging as much as informing that this guy's tattoos, going way back, uh, are extremely racist. Um, three percenters, uh, which is a right-wing paramilitary group, which the Southern uh, Poverty Law Center uh, calls a threat to American society. Um, <laughs> he had a tattoo of those folks on his right forearm. He has a don't tread on me tattoo. He has a, a a Blue Lives Matter tattoo, an American flag tattoo, which, and none of those are as bad in alone, but in context of the three percenter tattoo, you're like, okay. And the, the the two funniest things about three funniest things, I'm sorry. Number one is that this is a kicker. You did not need to draft a kicker. You didn't need to draft this kicker. And is this guy that good from Marshall, where you're like, we'll put up with the racism and take him in the fifth round? <laughs> We're gonna take the, the answer, heat. The answer is almost certainly no. Um, but regardless, whatever. Uh, the, the second funniest thing is that he lied about it. He said, A, my tattoos are all random, which is absolute bullshit, but whatever. But the one you can actually prove is that he said the tattoos, uh, he got them back when he was 15. 
then everyone pulls up his Instagram from like high school graduation and the tattoos are not there. Like he very clearly got them in high school or in college, excuse me. And if you're in college, the excuses go, go away for that kind of stuff. Mentions they'll be covered, which like whatever, they're still there. The third funniest and the funniest thing, uh, to me at least, is that the Patriots of all teams. It's the, the most Patriots pick ever. Yeah. It's the most Patriots pick. It's one thing of like a, an organization that was A, incompetent and B, like didn't have a history with this shit, but they're now former quarterback, head coach, and owner were all very outspoken Trump supporters. Um, which again, no issue. That, no, like there's not a, that's not a problem, but it's fucking hilarious in the context of. Well, we joked about it all, all draft process too, about the Patriots only drafting white guys. Yep. Oh, yeah. And that's been the thing forever. Like, you know. Yeah. So it's just it was just the perfect day three pick and it was my favorite thing ever. And uh, I don't know, man. It's gonna be so fucking the memes when this guy actually goes out to kick are gonna be so fucking funny. Someone was like, he's not gonna kick from the left hash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just for context, his name is Justin Roarwasser. Um and my my favorite uh to add to this was when people asked about him, he said he didn't know he didn't understand what it meant. Uh, he just thought the logo was cool. He also said he should have done way more research. Um, anytime you can get something permanently inked on your body for your entire life, you know, you definitely shouldn't do any research. Or you should just you should just go for it. Um, but he said it was an American sentiment and a patriotic sentiment uh, coming from a military family. He thought it really spoke to him. And uh, he's also very proud to be an American. And uh, at the time, he was very proud. And at, at the time, he was speaking about the tattoo. He's very proud. So so I, I'm proud as an American that we have such another proud American. And now we have a kicker uh, for an extremely proud organization, the Patriots. Uh, it's, it's, it's a match made in heaven. I mean, this was almost as much as commit to the Bears. You just knew this was going to happen. You knew the Patriots were going to take this 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 Patriot kicker. Anything, Troy? I know you didn't know much about it. I didn't, no. You guys, you know, you pretty much covered it. I think it's, it's hilarious, but I don't know. <laughs> leave it at that. We'll leave it to the, leave it up to the Patriots to do that. Not surprising at all. Yeah. Who's on the Mount Rushmore of racist NFL players? Because this guy obviously has a spot now. And that's, you know. Rodney yeah. Riley, um, Riley Cooper's the first one that comes to my mind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, Cooper's a pretty easy <laughs> one. Yeah, Cooper. Could you imagine Nick Bosa? Is Nick Bosa on? Uh, Bosa's on there to me. Uh, I'm thinking Richie Incognito's on there. Yeah, yeah. Did he have racism stuff? Or? Well, he was a bu- he's a bully. He's a bully, yeah, bro. I, I, was, I don't know why. I don't know, man. This, he's a white bully, so he's just racist. I, I mean, Malcolm, <laughs> Malcolm Jenkins is like a is like a big advocate of like like social. Oh, oh, Eric Reed. Here yeah. we go, dude. He's way worse. He's way worse. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is exactly a path we should go down here. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Oh, shit. I better be on there. I think this better be on there. I'm not doing, I'm not doing the, uh, just end the pod. <laughs> Guys, we, we appreciate you listening. Um, Like I said, think, things are slowing down a little bit, Um, obviously with the draft ending but we have some fun stuff coming up we're, we're gonna get we're gonna definitely start diving into some dynasty and uh some some fantasy redraft stuff like that um if there's anything you guys want to hear about um definitely leave it in the comments we're on apple music now we're on spotify um we we appreciate you guys listening we appreciate you guys helping us grow um we definitely we don't want this to end i know you guys don't want this to either so 
anything you guys want to hear us talk about, definitely uh, shout out to one of us. Reach out. Um, you know where we all are on Twitter. Um, we also have an Instagram uh, currently being made. So um, we're going to keep this thing going and look, keep your eyes on um, an episode about Dynasty coming out probably around this time next week. Titan, you got that rifle, you need to ride striker. Go for the Ferrari, it's